0: Listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at bethanynaz.org. You know, I believe that Abby is one of the greatest examples of uh, what it is to live a joyful life that's not dominated by fear in spite of your circumstances. In fact, I believe that if God can give Abby the grace to live a joyful life not dominated by fear, then He can give all of us the grace to live a joyful life that's not nominated by fear. And so, you know, this morning, um, I think about my own story. When I was 19 years old, um, I was not turned toward Jesus. Uh, I was not in a place in my life where that I needed to be. I remember going to church, and I remember an invitation being given, and I remember at the age of 19, even though I was raised by good Christian parents in a great Christian home, I was not where I should have been. But that that night, I walked down the aisle. I remember kneeling at the altar, and I remember very well knowing that I would never pray that prayer again, that I was going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I remember how happy I was. I remember how much I was filled with joy. I also remember there were times in my life when I'd feel anxious or maybe even afraid. And I remember over those next few months and years, God leading me to this place of saying, Rick, you don't have to live in any fear anymore because you are mine. I've got your life in my hands. I'm going to take care of you. I've been wondering. I've been praying. I've been hoping That maybe today somebody else's life would change like my life changed. Because I'm telling you, it was like I was born again. It was like I was raised to this new life. You know, like today we celebrate Jesus on Easter being raised from the dead. It was like I was raised to this new life with him. And so I've just been praying that maybe today somebody else's life would be changed like mine was. That somebody would know what it is to be forgiven of sin. That somebody would know in their hearts that my relationship with God is right, right now. And that from this day forward, you would begin to follow Jesus intently with your life. I've also thought about people who would say, you know, Rick, there was a season of my life where I was following Jesus closely, but somehow I began to lose sight of Him and my life is kind of turned away from Him now. I've been hoping that today somebody would turn back to Jesus and you would be forgiven. And you would know what it is in your heart to feel right again in your relationship with God. And that you would follow Jesus intently from this day forward with your life. It may be that you're a believer. And you're saying, Rick, I I hear what you're saying. But unfortunately, I wouldn't describe my life as being filled with joy. I sometimes could be dominated by fear. And so I'm praying that the words of Jesus today would impact you. And that all together we could find this life that... God desires for us a life filled with joy, not dominated by fear. So here's what I've been waiting to tell you. It feels like for weeks now, and so let me just put the words on the screen, okay? God imagines a joyful life for you. I know this and believe it with everything in me. God imagines a joyful life for you that is not dominated by fear. You know, if you're struggling with fear, you may jump immediately to the second half of this statement Don't jump too quickly. You've got to get this part too. God imagines a joyful life for you. Did you know that joy is the default setting for Christian living? I understand there are seasons of sorrow that we have to go through. But the Bible says be joyful in all circumstances. And so the default setting for Christian living is joy. This is the life that God imagines for you. A joyful life that's not dominated by fear. If your life is dominated by fear, you can't know the joyful life that God has for you. So let me take you to this awesome Easter story. And that is where we find this incredible truth. Okay? So Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 10 and let me share with you from the Easter story how God desires for you and imagines for you a joyful life that's not dominated by fear. So here we go. The Word of God says after the Sabbath, which means Sunday at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. We, we think what Matthew is saying is maybe to go there and mourn. Kind of like you and I when we go visit graves at a graveyard. I've highlighted some words for you today because I want you to see them clearly. There was a violent earthquake. So the word earthquake has a qualifier and it's violent. (laughs) This was a a bad earthquake, okay? Uh, How much worse can things get? An angel shows up, all right? So there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven And going to the tomb, rolled back the stones. And he sat on it. The stone rather and sat on it. Now, what did the angel look like? Well, his appearance was like lightning. So I'm just thinking about the lightning that I see in the sky. And his clothes were as white as snow. So if you experienced a violent earthquake and you saw an angel that looked like lightning, how would you be doing? Well, the guards didn't do so well. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook, and they became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. It's the first time in the story when God sees that they are filled with fear, that He sends a messenger to say, I don't want you to be dominated by fear in this moment. The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Look at these incredible words of Easter. Don't you love them? He is not here. He has risen just as He said. Come and see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples words of Easter again. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Now I have told you. And so the women hurried away to the tomb. The words I'm about to read are words that I've lived with for the last couple of months as I've been preparing for this day. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Have you ever been afraid, yet filled with joy? Have you thought before today that fear and joy can coexist in the same person's mind and heart? Afraid and filled with joy, they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, the second time that God wants this message communicated clearly, do not be afraid. I don't want you to be dominated by fear in this moment. Go and tell my brothers. To go to Galilee, rather, and there they will see me. This is God's word for us today. I remember eight years ago, the first time that I stood here, the first sermon I ever preached at Bethany First Church was eight years ago on Easter Sunday morning. I remember telling you a story about my daughter Morgan when she was in preschool Uh, She comes running to me. She's excited. She has taken colored pencils, and she's drawn her picture of Easter. And I remember celebrating with her and saying, oh, Morgan, this is Easter. And she said, yeah. And I'm going through the picture with her, and I said, so this is the tomb. And she says, yes. And I said, this is the stone that was rolled away. and, And these are the women who came to the tomb? And she said, yes. And I said, are those... Are those baskets on their arms? And she says, yes. And I looked again and I said, Morgan, are those Easter eggs in those baskets? <laughs> and my little Morgan said, yeah. Daddy, did you know that Jesus was raised from the dad on Easter? <laughs> I loved your picture. I want to ask you a question. If you drew a picture of Easter today, what would your picture look like? See, what I'm really asking you is what do you believe about Easter? And how does your picture of Easter help you to navigate seasons of life like you're experiencing right now? How does your picture of Easter affect the way that you deal with anxious and fearful feelings and thoughts? So the Bible tells us that the women went to the tomb early in the morning. It's just becoming daylight. And so I, I thought maybe it might help you. And I know I've said it many times. And I've gotten to the point that every time I say it, I say it with an apology. But I'm going to say it again this past summer when I was in Israel. Okay? I saw some awesome Tombs. I actually went into some tombs and I brought some pictures for you. The first one I wanted to show you is special to me because it's one of the few tombs that is in Israel today that still has the round stone by it. We were driving down the road, we stopped, I got to take a picture of it. And this is that tomb. Now most of these round stones that would be rolled in front of the of the of the tomb have actually been stolen. After a few hundred years, and nobody remembered the families that were buried in the tombs, um, they would steal them to use for farming. And that's why I brought this picture. I wanted you to see a tomb that exists from the era of Jesus that would have had a round stone that could still roll in front of the entrance of the tomb. So let me show you the inside of the tombs. I went into a couple of tombs. This is one of them. And uh, what would happen is you would lay the body in the tomb, and then after the body was fully decayed and a tomb would be shared by extended family, maybe for a few generations, they would create a clay box. They would fire the box. Do you know how long they made the box? The length of the femur of the deceased person, the longest bone in their body. They would stack the bones in the box And they would put the top on, and then they would put the box on a shelf. Every tomb that I saw had shelves in them. Let me show you one other picture because this one had incredible meaning to me. This is the garden tomb. Some people believe that this is the tomb that Joseph of Arimathea, the new tomb that the Gospels speak of that no body had been placed in, that Jesus' body was placed in. We don't know if it was or not. But I remember walking in that tomb that day and it was a very powerful moment just thinking it could be the tomb where Jesus' body had been laid and where Jesus was resurrected. It moves me to even think or talk about it. It was at the tomb that the women went to that things began to happen. The earth began to shake. So you say, Rick, I know that you're trying to tell me today that That God imagines a joyful life for me that's not dominated by fear. Why is it that you want to talk to me about that on this Easter Sunday? The reason I want to talk to you about it on this Easter Sunday is simply for this reason, okay? When the earth shakes, people begin to tremble. It's true literally, and it's true figuratively. I want you to understand that the world these women were living in had been shaken terribly. Jesus had been crucified on the cross. His body had been laid in a tomb. Literally, there was an earthquake. Their world was shaken. Let me tell you something this morning. Over these last few weeks, your world and my world has been shaken. And when the earth shakes, people tend to tremble. Your world has been shaken. And along with me, many of us have tended to tremble a bit. I was talking the other day to a friend and I just said, I I heard a concept that makes a lot of sense to me. In this idea of our world beginning to shake and people beginning to tremble. Uh, The concept was about fear, but it was this idea of complex fear. Uh, What our world is living with now is fear, but it's not just fear about one thing. It's complex fear. It's this idea that all of life right now seems shaken and out of control. And so when I think about the fear that people are living with, and the fear that people talk to me as a pastor about, they talk about fear of getting the sickness. I understand that. I remember when this whole COVID-19 thing first started, and uh, we canceled church on the very first Sunday, I remember saying to you uh, that very first Sunday, um, I'm concerned about people who are vulnerable, and we want to be careful for them not to get the virus or to share it but i'm i'm going to be confessional to you this morning and just say to you that i've come to a different place in my own life personally i don't want this virus i have been amazed at the randomness of which this virus has wreaked havoc on people's lives and i've heard stories about people who are my age and even younger who don't show Symptoms of other issues, but this virus has wreaked havoc in their lives. I don't want the virus. I, I think it's not just a fear about sickness, I think it's a fear about death. Um, my mother has been such an incredible influence in my life. She's 83. And I know that I always want to have my mom with me, but I don't want my mom to get this virus. It's one of the prayers that I pray. I don't know how well my mom would do at her age with the virus. So when I talk about complex fear, it's not just a matter of sickness. It's a matter of being afraid of the possibility of death. Not only people being afraid that they may die, but people being afraid that people they love may die I, I think there 's not only fear of sickness and death, but there 's a fear about what if I lose my job and if I did lose my job, how long would it take for unemployment to come and Can I really count that employment 's going to be unemployment rather is going to be there and, and then there 's this group of people who have already lost a job and they 're wondering when unemployment will show up and how I will do. I think there's also fear about the economy and what this means long term for us and our society. So it's a complex fear. Here's what I'm simply trying to say to you. When the earth shakes, people are tempted to tremble. So, so when the ladies are at the tomb, think with me for a minute. There is this mixture of emotion. There is, there is joy, but there is also fear. They are coexisting. Now, the joy, I understand, Jesus is alive. Can you imagine hearing the words, He is not here. He is risen, just like you said. I mean, they are filled with joy, and I I get it. I love it. But then there's fear. I, I, I'm not blaming them. A violent earthquake, I think, would cause us all to be afraid. I think seeing an angel that looked like lightning would cause us all to be afraid to some degree, Mark kind of takes it a step further, though, let me just give you his words. He says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb because they were afraid. But what, what is Mark saying? I think Mark is saying their hearts were racing. I think he 's saying that that they you know had breathing to become shallow, their muscles were tightening and constricting, they were experiencing a distress and emotion called fear because they were afraid. And the reason they were is because when the earth shakes, people tremble. Your world has been shaken. And although it's not the same as the women at the tomb, your world has been shaken and when our world is shaken, people tremble. Let me, let me move from here, okay? Let me, let me think with you for a minute about the words of Jesus and what He wants to say to you today. I went for a bike ride the other day around the lake. It was really good to get out. It was a beautiful sunny day. And so I went for a bike ride and I listened to a sermon that someone had sent to me saying, This is a great sermon. You might want to listen to it. And so in the sermon, Louis Giglio kept using this phrase, You're only 20 inches from mercy. And, and then a little later in the sermon, he would say again, You're only 20 inches from mercy. And then again, he said, You're only 20 inches from mercy. And finally, at the end of the sermon, he actually takes a tape measure, and he puts the end of the tape measure on the stage where he's standing, and he marks that 20 inches, marks the point of his kneecap. And he says, you can try to stand on your own. You can try to weather this thing by yourself. You can try to get through it in your own strength. Or you can humbly fall 20 inches to your knees. And humbly call out to God for help. Do you know what people are saying to me today? Rick, God's speaking to me through this. I feel like God's been talking to me. Pastor Rick, I feel like God's been calling me through all of this. And, and I think where we are today is, is we're saying, God, in the midst of all of this, I humbly come before you. And I call out to you. And I'm asking you, what do you want to say to me? What do you have for me? What is the life you're calling me to through all of this COVID-19 virus experience, this pandemic that we're in? You see, I think here's where God is. In fact, I know here is where God is today in His Word, speaking to us. When He sees His people in fear, on two occasions... He sends them the same message. When he sees them in fear, he sends them two messages, one by the angel and one by Jesus. And he says to them, I don't want you to be afraid. This is not what I desire for you. I do not choose for you to let yourself be dominated by fear. I'm calling you to a life that's full of joy, even in your circumstance. I remember one time, Annette and I, we were on a little trip. We had left Kansas City. I was working as a youth pastor at a church there, and we were driving to Kentucky and Tennessee to see our family. It was Friday night, and Annette had gotten off work. We jumped in the car. We were going to drive as far as we can, get a hotel, spend a few hours getting some rest and up and going again. Brittany was with us, our youngest daughter, our oldest daughter, rather. She was only one year old at the time. About one in the morning, I said to Annette, I've had all I can do. Got to stop and get a hotel. I'm going to fall asleep on you if I keep trying to drive. We pull off at an exit, and I see a hotel, and I say, look, that's a pretty good price. Let's let's do that. And I remember distinctly Annette saying, I, I don't feel good about that hotel. And and I said, no, no, I think it's fine. I said, we're only here a few hours, and, and, and really, I think it looks okay. And I remember distinctly Annette saying a second <laughs> time. I think you're making a mistake. But confident as I was, I, I forged on. I remember going into the office and I remember laying my cash down. Now this was just over 30 years ago. He gave us a key to the room. I got in the car and I pulled around, parked the car, and we walked up to the door of the motel. And, and I remember going in, Annette carrying with her our one-year-old daughter, and she, reaches for the covers, and throws them back to lay Brittany on the bed. And as soon as she looked at the bed, she picked the covers up and threw them back to where they were before. She looks at me and she says, hey, Rick. (laughs) I remember looking at her, (laughs) knowing I was in trouble. And she says, go to the office. Tell the man you want your money back because we're not staying here tonight. (laughs) She walked out the door with her one-year-old little girl in her arms and got in the car and waited for me. I handled it, you know, like a champ, though. I took great charge. I walked in the office, and I said to the man behind the counter, when he was surprised to see me as if I needed extra towels or something, I just said to him, My wife said to ask you for my money back because we're not staying here tonight. (laughs) The guy without asking a word, goes to the cash register, counts out the cash, sets it on the counter without saying anything, I said, thank you, Tuckett, and we got in the car and we found a hotel that was acceptable. You you, want to hear what I want to say next? Okay, I want you to hear it. In fact, I'm going to put the words up for you because I don't want you to miss them, okay? When you find yourself standing in a place of fear, remind yourself that Jesus said, we aren't spending the night here. <laughs> these are good words. When you find yourself spending, standing in a place of fear, I just want you to remind yourself, and these are a bit paraphrased, okay? But, but I think we're getting the point. Jesus said, we're not spending the night here. You, you can't avoid anxious feelings or thoughts, I understand if I had been with the women at the tomb and the earth had quaked violently and I had seen an angel that had the appearance of lightning, I would have probably been afraid too and so would have you. We are going to have anxious and fearful feelings and thoughts. We cannot avoid them. But Jesus is saying to us today, and God sent two messages to make sure we didn't miss it, one by the angel and one by Jesus. You don't have to stay here. You can walk away. You can go somewhere else. Do you understand why this is possible? It's because of the resurrection. I mean, think about the disciples, the despair. They must have felt they have hung Jesus on a cross. They they laid his body in the tomb. What's going to happen now? Can you imagine what they felt when they heard the words, He is alive. He is not here. He is risen from the dead just as He said. And here we find ourselves feeling despair as a world today. But we come to church on Easter Sunday morning and we hear some incredible words that says, He is not here. He is risen from the dead just as He said. He is alive and there is hope all around us. You understand it reminds us that that Jesus is who He said He was and the cross is not defeat but it is victory and even though we die death does not have the last word in this whole conversation I just got to tell you over two months ago I went to my staff and I said this is a sermon I want to preach on Easter Sunday afraid yet filled with joy and how God calls us Live the life of joy, but don't be dominated by fear. And I said I want to follow that sermon up with a series on anxiety. Now, this is two and a half months ago, before that we ever dreamed we would be in the position we are now. If you had told me two and a half months ago that on Easter Sunday we will not be meeting together, I I wouldn't have believed you. I would have said, you've taken this too far. You... You can't be right, I would not have believed it, but two and a half months ago, I knew that I lived in a world where anxiety is out of control. I begin to read scripture, I begin to study. I begin to come to an understanding of how books are flying off our shelves in bookstores about anxiety. I begin to understand how that the medical world In that world, there are billions of dollars annually being spent trying to help Americans cope with their anxiety and fear. And and I believe that we needed a series to deal with this. This was two and a half months ago. And and I, I want you to hear me well right now, okay, that these next three Sundays that we are going to spend online together, it looks like, are so important. Because not only are we going to talk about how that God calls us to a life that is joyful, not dominated by fear and anxiety, but God shows us how that life in His Word is a possibility. And so I want you to be here every week, and I want you to invite friends. This is the time, this is the season to call a friend who you know could benefit from this series on anxiety and say, you've got to go to church with me online these next three weeks long before we knew we were going to be in this position, God ordained these next three Sundays for us. And I want you to be here, and I want you to invite somebody to come with you. Now, let me let me just kind of bring this together and share a story with you, okay? I have a friend who just uh, reminded me the other day about a, a clip from a movie in the first movie called Toy Story. There are now four of those movies. And, and he had my attention immediately because a few weeks ago Annette and I, my wife, got to see our only granddaughter Sadie who is almost six years old. And so as we were excited about getting to go see Sadie, we called her mom and said, what are some gifts that Sadie would love to have because we always love to take gifts to her. And her mom said, oh, my goodness, she is all about the Toy Story movies. And she gave us a list of Toy Story characters. And so we tucked them. I remember one day we... Um Played all day long. Her mom and dad were at work. We were there at home with her, at her house. We played board games. We put puzzles together. We played hide and seek. And uh, we said, Sadie, at the end of that, what do you want to do now? She said, let's watch Toy Story. So we did together. So I was all ears when he reminded me of this clip in the very first Toy Story movie where one of the characters, Woody, who is the cowboy, was having a conversation with Buzz Lightyear. A space ranger. And Woody says to Buzz, you're not a space ranger. You're just an action figure. You're just a child's plaything. That's all you are. And Buzz wanted to prove his worth and decided that he would fly through the air proving to Woody that he truly was a space Ranger. When he tried to fly, he failed. And discouraged and in despair, he drops his head and he says, I'm just a stupid, insignificant little toy. Woody begins to feel bad. (laughs) He has a change of heart and he wants to befriend Buzz. And he says, you're, you're not thinking clearly. <laughs> he says, look at that house over there. There's a boy in that house, and he thinks you're the greatest. Not because you're a space ranger that can fly through the air, but because you're his. And Buzz began to feel encouraged and worth And he looks down at the bottom of his boot, and there written with permanent black ink are the words, the name rather, of the little boy who owns him, Andy. And a smile comes across his face, because all of a sudden he feels worth, and he feels value. I know it's an animated movie for kids. But it speaks to me today. Maybe it speaks to you. You say, Rick, I, I hear you saying this morning that that God desires a joyful life for me that's not dominated by fear. The problem is my world has been shaken. And when the world is shaken, we sometimes tremble. How can I embrace these words of Jesus that says, don't be afraid? I think the answer is found in Relationship. May I show you the words of God Himself in Isaiah 43? God says, do not fear. Don't be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Wow. And it's that kind of confidence where you say, I truly am His My life is in His hands. It's why Abby Brobston today is able to say, my life is so full that I choose joy and not fear. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me, would you? Maybe if everybody would just bow your head with me at this time, wherever you are. And maybe today if you want to say, This prayer with me, Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I turn my life and my heart to you. I want to know that my relationship with God is right. And from this day forward, I want to follow Jesus. I want to know that I belong to you, God, and that my life is in your hands, and I don't have to be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to click on the banner that says, I want to follow Jesus. And, and I want you to fill out the information. Because we would, we would love to walk with you in these next few days. You can either click where that you have prayed the prayer or that you want to talk to somebody about praying the prayer. In either case, we want to reach out to you and walk with you as you seek to follow him. I hope you have an awesome Easter. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.